Welcome, welcome, welcome. Dr. Carrie Hepburn here from Compass PD. Today, our podcast is a break from a traditional podcast because it's the Tuesday after Labor Day. For our listeners outside of the United States, Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. The holiday is rooted in the late 19th century when labor activists pushed for a federal holiday to recognize the many contributions workers have made to America's strength, prosperity, and well-being. Our team fully embraced taking a moment to celebrate an extended weekend, all of the hard work we've done in schools over the past year, and in that spirit, we recorded a sit-down collaboration session we had previous to the weekend. What we wanted to do in this collaboration session is break down some of the things that we do in our meetings that could be useful for you in your work when you work with collaborative teams, either when it comes to curriculum, instruction, assessment, PLCs, all of that. Full disclosure, we covered a ton of topic ride to kind of narrow it down to one and hopefully you're able to see that, I want you to listen in with a lens of thinking how to apply some of the techniques that we use in your meetings. We're nowhere near perfect, but it's helpful to hear ways that you can improve the overall experience and the outcomes of your meetings. To give you some background knowledge, start to listen in. Stephanie, Natalie, and I met the previous week to begin creating a progression of learning for teachers on a topic that we would be delivering PD on throughout the school year. We asked Bridget to come in and sit with us with the lens of not being part of this process and with the lens of being an administrator to give us feedback so that we could improve this learning progression for the district that we serve. So as you just jump in and out of conversations, I want you to know that this is where Bridget's stepping in. Let's get started on the about this progression. I thought maybe Natalie what we'll do is quickly give Bridget a breakdown. I basically Bridget what we did the other last week was this. We sat down and we talked about all of these books that we had read, uh, classroom instruction that works, new classroom instruction that works, learning that sticks, the art and science of teaching, and we talked about these and then determined like what does PD look like in this district. So um, because the new classroom instruction that works has some different recommendations than the old classroom instruction that works. And then we then um, we were reading the learning that sticks and then the new art and science of teaching, we just wanted to come up with this is going to be at least a three-year plan with the district. So what do we want to say is for sure going to be taught to the teachers and counselors. This would be interesting seeing her yeah, perspective because well, Stephanie never got really to hers, did she? That third one on the list. So we might need to rename that one. But I was working on the top one and then Carrie was on that middle one. And I was really struggling. Like, So you'll notice that mine looks a little bit different than Carrie's. I was really struggling with that fact of like, what does it look like in a classroom? So like, if I was a teacher, like what, if I walked in, what would I see? Or what would I want it to, what, what, what does this look like? And so I put on mine, like, what does mine look like? Mine's this person, like, okay. where it says, what does mine look like? And so I kind of give bullets of, 
it could look this way, but it's not. And this is also probably my ELA side and me looking at a scoring rubric of an essay that it's like, you can still be in this category, but you're in it for different reasons. Like you're in this category for this reason, you're in this category, but it, it, you know, that's kind of where that category is. I'm not saying I'm set on it having right. to look this way, but that's where my brain was going was like, what does this look like? And then how do we either verbalize it in words or do we keep it with the bullets of these are possible things that could look like? And then not only that, but is it an actual progression? Right. Does it look like, yes, I can see where this is building on each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're just a couple minutes in and I want you to think as you listen in, you can see that Natalie and I were trying to set the stage for Bridget. We were giving her the background knowledge on what we had created so far and the why and the how. As I reflect on this process, there are some things that we could have done better. One, we could have given Bridget the background information prior to our collaborative time so she could be in that mindset, be asking clarifying clarifying questions, and have the space to truly think deeply about this work. And then two, we could have given Bridget the learning progression ahead of time so she could study it and have time to wrap her brain around it. Now, Bridget is a professional and she's used to delivering feedback on the spot. She's worked with hundreds of teachers and through multiple district initiatives, so it's not new to her. But our team is always looking at ways to improve and moving forward, we would like to ensure that the time that we get together, because it's so precious, is even better. So those are two things that I would do differently. Even that three, four category on both of us, we were like, what's the difference strong. between a three and a four? Yeah. So just looking at it from the lens, when I think back like teacher evaluations and stuff, so we start at that number three, and that number three is where we want everybody to get to. Mm-hmm. And then four is that bump above, and that two is just a little below, not quite there. And yeah. then, uh, that one is, you know, significantly. And so when we think about it that way, we think about language that in the in the three, you're going to see like the teacher doing all these things. In the four, you're going to see the students taking ownership of it and doing more themselves. In the two, um, it's maybe in the three, the teacher is facilitating and the two, the teacher's not facilitating, they're just doing it. Because we always see that that four needs to have the students taking ownership. Mm-hmm. And so then I can plan back from there. Or I start with the three and say, here's what good instruction would look like. A, a good instruction would be a teacher facilitating this. But better instruction would be when the students then can take it and, and personalize and make their own meaning. Like, to me, the one is the hardest because yeah. you just want to say no evidence, and it's yeah, like, okay, right. but well, what does that? I am putting goals in, so I'm a two, and it's like, no, your goals suck. You're not a two. <laughs> They're not the right type of goals or arbitrary goals or something that no evidence is like. You're not even on the chart yet. When you get to the chart, let's have a conversation. So this is, <laughs> it's like that no evidence or it's very lacking. But I don't know. That's kind of where my it's like is. A, Let's think of that when I think of proficiency scales. That's where like a Marzano has a zero, and then the one is like maybe at least what we're seeing, even if it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like what do we see? Right. And then um, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, I'm, I'm I'm seeing this. Not that I'm married to it. I'm just like thinking, okay, what are we? 
there's still one level of like it, but I think that one, yeah, that one has to be something that you're still seeing. It really should be more like academic goals or not. Because you're saying there's some personal goals or behavior-based goals. I like that that question that you have. But are we defining goals that they are academic in the glossary or not? I don't I don't remember well, if that was on there or not. We didn't not that we have. I know we had on the chart based on what we read were like mastery goals we talked about mastery goals and effort goals and performance goals and performance goals being so, able to define those yes but not necessarily now none of this is this is all good for us to think through and then um, are you opposed to the zero is that what I'm no gathering no i just was thinking i have a thing about things being negative yeah on here for people and it's like you're at least doing some like you're doing some so the other thing you could include is a not observed and so not observed isn't negative but it's there's no evidence so i think we need to give a little bit of that we don't want to use this as an as an evaluation tool right we want this to be the teachers own like if a teacher were to look at this they were to say if i were to read this descriptor where do i think I, my classroom is right now i'm at a one what are my steps to get to a two? Gotcha. What are my steps to get to a three? Gotcha. And it being used more as an informative um, feedback, feedback mm -hmm. yeah. of you're not being scored on this. Like this is not a teacher evaluation. This is we know that this is best practice, and we want you to create the environment. How do we get there? So maybe like in your one, you need to say something like observable goals, not you know something like there are no there are no observable goals or observable goals not posted are they just not doing anything that's an observable goal the other thing i think i think that if in the first bullet under number 1 we're talking about personal goals then in the second bullet or in the first bullet number 2 we should be talking about the same topic in the next column same topic so we're so they're able to see the progression and so just making sure we're doing that bullet two under a two is about performance goal but in one we don't have anything about a performance goal in two or in three we don't you know you just get you have to be careful about using that same right. language so performance goals are Performance goals, mastery goals, and effort goals, there are definitions that go with those. Like a performance goal is out of the day. Okay. And so we want kids to move beyond that and go to more master. I want to master this skill, or I, I know that I need to put in this amount of time in order to master that skill. So that's where effort and mastery come in place. So ultimately it would be like the, the progression would be you're just setting personal goals. You're setting performance-based goals. You're setting mastery goals. I, I don't know if it's spelled out that way but that's that to me is how that progression and there the bullets are not lined up you're absolutely 100 correct in that i guess what i'm saying is you wouldn't see the same language in each bullet because that's the growth the growth is like going from performance right right is to this and this the ultimate goal being mastery and effort goals that stretch and jump Let's pause right there for a moment. A couple of things that happened in this stretch of the conversation I want to explicitly mention. One, you will notice that we kept returning to the reliable resources that we used. Our team read five books from different researchers and experts in the topic that we are delivering professional learning on. 
predictable problem is that you'll start talking about something and try to find ways to make it easier for those that you're serving, whether it's um, educators or students. However, our experience has shown us that that method waters down the learning and leads to confusion and ultimately difficult habits that can be hard to overcome. We see this not only in professional learning, but instruction as well. Another thing that you're going to notice is that questions were used to clarify understanding. Questioning is a great way to help everyone at the table come to the same level of understanding. If you have ideas popping in your head, think about ways to turn them into questions. I ask people to clarify the meaning of something for me all the time or ask them to give me an example. It's really helpful, and if asked appropriately, it can feel less negative or confrontational. And then thirdly, we revisit again and again questionable terms for those that we serve, and we ensure that we gather reliable definitions and create a glossary of terms and teach into those terms when we're delivering professional learning. It's really important for everyone at the table to have the same understanding about language. Language can be really tricky. And so taking the time to define terms, it might feel like you're lowering expectations, but a lot of times, People don't understand what a term means, but they're too embarrassed to ask. Or we've heard from all of these different people or resources that may or may not be reliable, the definition of terms, and that really can lead to misunderstanding. So a really simple, easy way to ensure that everyone has the same level of understanding is just define the terms. See, a part of me thinks that like the top part that you have, like that first paragraph or first sentence, I guess a sentence is not a paragraph, the descriptors, the descriptors, yeah, like what this might look like to me are all things that we would talk about when we're teaching how it changes, mm -hmm. and it's like specifically saying, and I know trying to like give them all of these things, but like, oh, when goals are established and content forcing a specific could be mastery and or effort based, it might look like this, and then those are like all different ways that I can teach somebody. Like, I would see this, and it could be evidence of talking through it. Right. And I think that's a way that we process, like, is getting all the stuff. But that could go really nicely into the teaching and what that. Ultimately, what you're saying is take those bullets underneath it, try to figure out a way to synthesize it as part of that sentence above, and only have that sentence above. I wanted to pause right here because this is something that Natalie does really well. If you're watching the, the video on YouTube, you're going to notice that she's been taking notes on post-its as she listens to Bridget and I talk about her section of the learning progression. She stops us right in this moment to summarize or restate her understanding of what Bridget and I were saying. This is important because she ensured we were all on the same page, and this would guide us in the next part of our conversation. Taking moments to summarize the conversation is critical in team meetings. 
this particular pause wasn't intentionally designed, but I've been in meetings where it is intentionally designed and part of the meeting process. Think about how you can intentionally design and add these pauses in your meetings to ensure that we all have the same level of understanding. I mean, I'm, that's just me. And then, like, it doesn't mean that you negate all no. of that. It's like, hey, when you go to teach this, these are your teaching points, but in summation, this is a synthesis of that. So if you want somebody to take this, a teacher to take this, and you want to say, um, I'd like for us to all look at column three, what do you notice is the difference between a two, a three, and a four? So mm -hmm. we're focusing on three as that's where, that's where we want to get to right now for all students. And so, but some students we're going to get to the four, and we know that that's really where we ultimately want to be, but like, we're okay if we're at a three right now because we're starting something new right and so you want that language to be congruent enough that they can pick out what's the difference and it's not different it's not the different language it's the different skills or it's the different level of involvement or it's like we can tell right here that the first bullet um, teachers or students might be doing that goal setting with some input but when we look at the four, the students are using evidence and they're doing the goal setting. And so, like, I can tell very easily right there between those two what the difference is. Mm -hmm. And so you just want to make sure you do that across your bullets if you're really going to ask people what's the difference. Mm -hmm. We're hoping, we're working on creating a curriculum that this is the evidence part. Like, this is how mm -hmm. we assess. Not that we're assessing others, but this is how we assess ourselves and then what are all the teaching things that we need to do when we're delivering PD in this district because we'll be presenting on these three topics on the new learning that we've done and you know like the synthesizing of all of these resources and so it's like these are going to be the big buckets that we're teaching them this year this is what that looks like like where teachers can assess see where they're at so that we can help them like reflect and all that, but like what are all the things that we need to teach? Because it tells us our entry point and yeah. we're dealing. So this isn't for teachers, this is for you. Both. 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 So think about it like this. When you teach kids how to do the Venn diagram, right? It used to be we brainstorm a list of all the characters in this book, we brainstorm a list of all, and they have nothing to do with each other. So we're not really comparing. We're just making lists. Mm -hmm. And so we want to just make sure that we're talking about the same things. And so it's mm -hmm. so we can actually compare and have the same thoughts, the same. I keep using the word language, but you're right. You're not you're not going to necessarily use the exact same language, mm -hmm. but you have to stick on that same train of thought mm -hmm. so that when they're when they're going through, they can actually compare and contrast. I want to pause right here to highlight what Bridget did in this exact moment of our collaboration. As she was delivering feedback about our learning progression, she gave examples that were easy for us to understand her train of thought. This is important because concrete examples and stories are great techniques to explain a more abstract idea. It can be the scaffold that supports the next level of learning. Again, 100% agree, but I, I, where I'm having a hard time, especially with goal setting, because 
what we did the other day is we kind of like we're like what does this look like in a classroom like whatever goals are being set or what types of goals are we seeing that would fall into this one category and so if i say the student setting goals well if the student is setting goals in your classroom yay but if they're arbitrary goals or they're you know I, that's where i want that nuance i i want to make sure that it's like you could say well my students are setting all the goals so i'm four and i'm like no but they're not very good goals. like they're not the right type of goals so it can't be one piece of a puzzle it has to be the whole kit and caboodle it could be something as simple as at the four all students are are setting their own goals or using evidence to set their own goals and that at three most students set or all students setting goals with the help of teachers at one it's some students setting goals or few students setting goals or something at two it's um, a majority of students setting goals or more than half or you just have to i just i don't know i feel like there's just this whole path that has to be made that they can see the progression can you look at peer collaboration and see I'm sorry, am I ringing no. on somebody's brain? Because I really don't mean to. No, 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 no. no. This is getting okay. bigger. <laughs> no, right. no, and to be honest, sometimes we're like aggravated at each other and you're not hearing me, but then we eventually get there. Okay. Yeah, no, so we're, this is good. You have to do this to us. I want to pause right here and highlight that this team has a high level of trust. And during this time, we have the desire to make the overall product beneficial for those we serve. I have been in meetings where I am receiving feedback on something I have poured my heart and soul into, and I think I'm presenting it, and I'm not expecting to receive feedback. The way that goes is much different than what you just heard, and if you're viewing it, what you just saw. So I want to give you a couple of tips regarding receiving feedback. First of all, gather feedback early and often in the process. After you've given everything you have to develop a system, a product, um, a professional learning, after you've given everything to that, waiting to the end to, to get that feedback can really result in hurt feelings, and it's difficult to be on the receiving end. So two, something that I've done in these situations, and I do all the time, is I, I just like channel Brene Brown and her words to explain the thinking that's happening in my head so that I can help myself diffuse what's happening to me physiologically and help everyone in the room help me navigate the situation. So I'll say, the story I'm telling myself in my head is this, like, this is horrible. You don't like it you're finding no value in this, you know, whatever. Those words, the story I'm telling myself in my head is really helpful to those people so that when they're they're delivering the feedback, it gives them the understanding of how they need to formulate the words, their message that they're giving me. And then another thing is to breathe. Slow breaths, thinking through what your goal is regarding the product, the professional learning, the process um, can be really helpful. And I'll just say out loud, I'm going to need some processing time to think through the feedback that you've given me and I'll get back with you. All of these things can be beneficial, 
help you reduce the stress that your body is is feeling in the moment, allow you maybe to receive the feedback and step back, give you the space that you need and deserve to, to come back to them with um, new information. So everything else you kind of you started with students are or what the students are doing. And so, is this anywhere though? Kind of like what you were thinking. Yes. No. Yes. So it's a it's a nice natural progression that you can see. I think it's hard when we go from none to some to most to all. I know what this rubric, or at least for goal setting, it's to me it's not about new, the n- number. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of the goals. Like, what types of goals are you yeah. setting in your classroom? Because there is, and that's what's so nuanced about the goals. So I don't, I don't know if you, you weren't a part of this original conversation. And so um, the creating the classroom environment in the, in the first classroom instruction that works, that student goal setting used to be objectives. And so it was really teacher driven. Is the teacher setting objectives? Well, they've really shifted that. And they've said, are the kids setting the goals? But those goals are based on the objectives. And right. so there is this layer that the teacher is a part of it mm-hmm. and that they are very academic and um, objective-based. Mm-hmm. So they're not just these vague, arbitrary goals. They are very specific to that content. And in some respects, we would want... I mean, the teacher's going to have some input. So like, even whenever I talk about goal setting in my podcast, it's like, you should still have a bucket. Like you should still have like here are five that we're gonna be working on this year. Now you get to pick one. So now the kid can pick one from the list that the teacher provided. And so there's a lot of under the surface stuff that has to happen in order for this to happen. And that's why it was so hard to write. Like I was, I was really struggling with those goals because it's like give you a little bit of context around that that particular. Goal. Julie, are we putting you on the spot? Enough? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I think I know you well enough to know I can say anything. <laughs> Yeah. You want them to find the treasure without having to do the scavenger hunt too much. I want to stop you right here because these words from Dr. Niedringhouse were so powerful. I've written them down in big, bold letters. You want them to find the treasure without having to do the scavenger hunt too much. This was so important in our work of creating a learning progression for teachers, but I find it incredibly relatable in the work that we do with students when it comes to creating progressions of learning. I want to end this podcast on those wise words from Bridget and hope that you found the podcast interesting and helpful. I want to remind you of the purpose of this podcast It was to listen in with a lens of thinking how to apply some of the techniques that our team uses to push one another's thinking in meetings, in collaborative times, and in development of professional learning. We, again, are nowhere near perfect. It is always helpful to hear ways that we can improve our overall experience and the outcomes of our time together. Hope you had a wonderful Labor Day and to have a great week. See you soon. Did you know that at Compass PD, we set big audacious goals, much like you do in your classrooms, your schools, and in your district? We've set a goal of impacting the learning of 1 million students. And that's a big goal. Just so you know, it's a really big goal for us. But what we're going to do is we're going to be working with 
school districts and schools in person. And then we offer our podcast as additional learning and supports. And then if you check out our website, you'll notice that we have virtual learning options with our on-demand. Through those different modes, we are going to be hitting our target, our goal, big goal of impacting 1 million students.